Hello guys, welcome to another podcast with me, Sahil, and my friend Anirudh. And like always, we are going to discuss a lot of sports updates and stories. Uh, and today we have we are actually going to deep dive into a few stories which revolves around business side as well. And we have got two interesting stories for you guys. Do uh, give it a full listen to this, and you are going to definitely uh, like what we have gotten for you. Uh, so Anirudh, let's get started. How have you been? Yeah, Sahil, I'm doing good. How are you? I think uh, we have some good content this week, and uh, you know I'm excited to talk things through. Yes, definitely. Uh, so as we always uh, build up on this uh, association that we want to uh, impart more, uh, you know, stories and you know uh, things regarding the business side of sports, which we have uh, been trying to build, and you know. uh communicate with everyone through this podcast uh, so in the same line of things uh today as as i mentioned before we have two very interesting stories for you guys so i think we, let's let's start with the first one i should i think i should uh, you know go right into this one uh and the one which i am going to be, i'm going to be discussing about is uh, you know how red bull makes so much of money uh like like we all all of us know red bull is that is not just a energy drink making company it it has a very diverse profile so to say it is involved in lot of football teams lot of adventure sports and various other things as well so i think everyone must have uh, imagined that why red bull does all of these things when it started as an energy making drink or they started as the in the in the, in the drinking segment so to say where uh, they had other Uh, competitors like Pepsi and Coca-Cola and so on. But uh, the point here is that why why don't other companies uh, also diversify the portfolio like Red Bull have done? So uh, this is a very interesting. I don't list reading through this one. And like, yes, the it's tough when uh, an Australian guy, right? Uh, his name was. Uh, Each uh, Massachusetts when he traveled to Australia in Thailand in 1982 onwards, uh, uh, he drank a drink which was called as the Karting Tang, which when you translate it, translate it in in Austrian, it means uh, Red Bull basically. And when he got this drink in Europe, uh, he had an idea that he wanted to uh, make it the world's best sold energy drink, and he went to the investors to raise a lot of money, but the investors turned him down and they said him that. they told him that it's there is no market for energy drinks in europe it doesn't work like that the the you know traditional soft drinks were already ruling the market but uh, matisics was not having any of this he was very determined to make it and uh, he raised uh, half a million for 50% stake in the company with the uh, with the original founder of the karting bank uh, local drink in thailand his owner for the formulation of the drink so both of them both of them became 50% uh, partners of the company by raising half a million each so uh, so the very uh, you know exciting part here is that the strategy which they adapted was uh, they basically uh, outsourced you know uh, operations like productions and logistics uh, so they so red bull never does any of this Uh, so it's everything is outsourced what red bull does is only one thing which is marketed at a very high scale and a very high proposition so that everybody knows everybody has a feel of the brand whenever uh, they walk into a club or a pub so to say or any party 
and the way they went on their business is very exciting to see so anirudh first of all, i have a question for you right we have all have uh, had drank red bull in our lives but uh, it's really astonishing it's really fascinating that how a, a energy drink company has you know uh, grown to this stature what's your take on it yeah no no i think it's a good point you know uh, i still remember uh, like when i was in college and uh, not even in college but i think even in my first company that i was working for i remember uh, you know two red bull girls had come with 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 this backpack of containing free red bull cans and they were just distributing uh, the red bulls as and when you know to everyone uh, yeah. who wanted the red bull and uh, you know that that kind of gives a, a, a good idea of of how that uh, brand reach is i mean in i mean they cater to the youth you know first of all uh, they cater to the psychology that you know uh, like 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 youth is filled with energy and so you know you guys you know if you drink red bull you're going to be on top of your uh, energy on top of your game and uh, and and you know and then you you feel have success that way and so that that's basically kind of the psychology that you know they have been doing in their marketing like like they gave, they gave out free cans of red bull to everyone to you know get, to kind of make them try it once and uh, and and that that name in itself gets registered when you try it once i mean i tried it once uh it was heavy in caffeine for me but uh, but i do understand why people kind of uh, drink it for their energy because right. because uh, as soon as i drank it you know i was i was not i, I did not feel uh, the tiredness that i was feeling before drink it like before i was so you know so in that way kind of uh, you know it, the youth the youth kind of associate with that kind of brands mm-hmm. and uh, so for that reason i think you know and and to say that i mean they have invested a lot a lot and a lot in marketing and uh, so that kind of uh, shows a lot of how marketing driven that company is no i mean exactly the way you mentioned it right uh, it's, it's that was going to be my next point where uh matheshit actually had a marketing plan where he uh, emphasized on the youth so much that he tied up with student brand managers on the campuses and he told them to throw parties which was completely sponsored by red bull and from here on uh, the name the brand started registering into the students and the youth and from there it picked up it even went to that far that uh, they used to uh, you know throw red bull cans on on the empty red bull cans near the dustbin on the uh, floor on floor on the pub or you know in the clubs and so on to create a illusion to people that uh, it's been used by a lot of people so they indirectly uh, or directly i should say they were trying to you know uh, attack on the psychology that it's a very a good drink and people are you know consuming it in great extent and that is why everyone should give it a try if you see a lot of empty cans lying around that is the first what you get so that played you know very nicely and uh, people said buying a lot of red uh, red bull drinks and uh, the best part here is that uh, uh, it was actually banned in germany uh, due to some some reasons and uh, that banning of a drink actually worked in 
flavor because it got lot of brand recognition and germans actually used to travel to the austrian border where they used to exchange the drinks or they used to buy the drinks from the austrian market you know so uh, such uh, such craze for the for the red bull was eminent enough uh, and it actually pushed their brand value in such a high scale that uh, within no time they started to capture the european market and it is very hard to believe that they have actually sold 7.5 billion cans in 2019 which was actually one can a person who was living on the planet mm-hmm. so that's a huge market share obviously uh and the best part is that they have never been a uh, they never do conventional marketing so to say that because when we see something like what an ike does when a, you know when nadal wins or when roger wins they have a campaign set they have that you know those those photos those those you know one minute two minute videos you know describing journeys you know to push the brand yeah. and to push uh, their nadal's or federer's achievement in such a way that it, it it also resonates with the brand of nike but red bull is ap- absolutely opposite of that they actually build their own stories so when they uh, did a project like where uh, i think this there is that bomb that now where he jumped out of space in 2012 red bull sponsored it, the the event it costed them something around 6 billion us dollars so you can imagine the heights and the lengths the brand has gone to you know uh marketed so extensively and in such a uh, aggressive manner that they are they are actually spending that amount of money for such events so they they create their own stories and they have their own production house uh other than that they as we know uh, they have uh, multiple football teams and uh, uh, and also once uh, i think if i'm not wrong they also have a uh, ice skating team as well so yeah. basically it is so diversified uh, but yet in 2000 up since 2012 uh, the revenue has been very toxic to me so to say uh, the reason is that because uh, if you see if you see the they have only one product which is the energy drink so to say in the market and uh, with people being more health conscious in the recent decade or so yeah and the drink is not something which you know you can have on a very day to day basis uh because it can cause you diabetes and you know insomnia and all, all the other things as well so because of these reasons they have actually their market uh, uh, the the market which red bull is to dominate as you know they have actually the sales decreased by a lot of uh, margins and due to which this investing strategy of red bull comes into the picture because it diversify their investments in different aspects so the so their returns are multiplied so investing in you know marketing in sports teams and uh, media houses it becomes a very strategic attempt to diversify and then create a value chain which is next to the energy drink right and just building on building up on that point so if if we look at this football teams which they have they have developed their own sports ecosystem where they have the media production they have team ownerships uh, something like broadcasting and content management systems well well in place so it's a complete ecosystem where no one has to travel outside the red bull bubble to you know to do anything which is related related to sports uh, so to say if you talk about football so they have they have own multiple teams basically the ecosystem is such that a player can start playing in brazil he in in red bulls team then he can move to the lower uh, uh, the lower team and the lower leagues in the austrian which is the austrian league 
and play in the Red Bull Salzburg team, and from there he can go on to play in the Bundesliga, uh, which is the Red Bull Red Bull Leipzig team. So he can play U, the UCL there, and once he is in the latest stage stages of his career, he can then move and play for the New York Bulls in the in the USA as well. So as you see, it's a complete ecosystem where they have do- created this. uh stature where they can move players around very easily scout in such a way that it can benefit not just one team but you know four five different teams all together so this not only uh, helps them invest more but also uh, multiply their returns as well and uh, one of the other things uh, is also uh, private equity in sports uh, i think it's booming because when they purchased new york bulls in 2006 it it costed them around 25 million and today that the cost of the team is more over 300 million so they can multiply they have multiplied their investment and from there they can grow more and more into other business ventures and try to create a system where they no matter what happens with that energy drink they still try to you know generate profits through other uh, various sources and uh, uh, production <coughs> strategies so that is how i think red bull is one of the uh, very brave and you know very diversified brand so to say and i would just imagine what their brand meetings and you know marketing strategy meeting would look like so really a good overall understanding of the business yeah exactly and and just to kind of put that the entire you know the, the aspect that you spoke about their strategy and perspective red bull spends about 33% on marketing and yeah, compared okay. to what coca cola and pepsi spend that is maybe around about 7 to 9% uh, mm. both the companies yeah. uh, you know individually so that yeah, kind of shows how much how much marketing that red bull does you know and uh, and so yeah exactly and then i think uh, you know they also kind of ventured out into the f1 right i mean yeah uh, obviously yeah. they have two teams in f1 as well uh, which is now which is now uh, a world champion yeah, yeah max verstappen and uh, even alpha tauri is owned by red bull and plus scouts the red bull scouts found vital uh, mm-hmm. who who i yeah. think who played who, who actually won with uh with the red yeah. bull and then you know obviously the mercedes and lewis dominated and then later on uh max verstappen again uh, took reins so true true that's right so basically uh, you know i can just uh, from a sports perspective it just doesn't get better than this because if you own two uh, f1 teams and then five football teams and numerous Uh, other uh, you know adventure sport as well <clears throat> so it just helps you you know grow more uh, fan following who from people who are sports lovers like the two of us so because we, we are now so well versed <clears throat> well versed with the red bull brand name that uh, we know like uh, we, we can quickly make the difference and most probably the younger generations who still don't know these other business side of things they might just go and pick a red bull can because they know it's it's pf one team or they mm-hmm. know they this is a football team or whatever they not care about anything else they can just you know quickly make choices because that's what's been more visible to them exactly the key in i think this red bull story is how 
like even though they are they're no longer marketing red bull as an energy drink uh, like they do market it like like whenever they have the name they have the cans there but the key here is how they are driving their brand uh, to not be dependent on one product but just just using that brand name and just uh, kind of diversifying into multiple areas so yeah i think now if you should we move on to our next story as well i think that would be much uh, you know in depth because uh, you would be covering it and uh, it's obviously about uh, roger federer so why don't you take over i think you know we've always uh, kind of whenever whenever we see sports players playing you know we see different brand tags on their bodies you know we see we've seen we've seen with ronaldo uh, associated with nike michael jordan with nike lebron james uh with nike you know then you have messi with adidas and uh, and i think hundreds of other players uh, who have been associated with with sport apparels sport companies sport sponsorships and so on and um, and so yeah so i think one such kind of uh, kind of use case and story that i think we stumbled upon was about roger federer and this move uh, away from nike and uh, how he got associated with uniqlo right so i think uh like the story is such that you know when roger roger was young when he was playing uh when he was prior to being a professional player uh you know the nike scouts found uh you know roger's talent and they kind of offered him to pay around about 500000 us dollars and uh, once he turned professional i think he signed his uh, contract with nike and uh, you know and then and then you know nike continued paying him about 10 million dollars annually and uh, hmm. and so so in a way like nike valued roger federer a lot i think him being the biggest tennis star in the world and one of the biggest brand icons of tennis and so nike i think you know were paying what they felt uh, you know roger is uh, generating in terms of their marketing in terms of their sales or apparels and so on so i think but roger uh, was expecting a little bit more in terms of because you know he was representing uh, a lot of the youth i think at the time he was representing a lot of the the brand value of tennis altogether i mean when you talk about tennis i think the first name that comes into mind is roger federer so i think roger federer's kind of agents and his uh, associates they pitched nike that you know uh, they want they want a 10 year deal uh, worth around about 300 million which uh, i think the first offer uh, they presented it to was with nike but mm. but when you look at nike as a company you know i mean i mean wherever you go you see nike's name everywhere right so for them when you look at the various sports they are involved in the the amount of revenue that is generated from sports like football and basketball and maybe even nfl uh, for that matter uh, you know uh, compared to that tennis uh, was not uh a big part of of their sales of of the apparels as well as the amount of uh value proposition that the tennis was bringing to their company so so for that reason i think nike felt that uh, the value proposition uh that was being uh, kind of offered was was not uh, something that they wanted to pick up and so i think then you know i think roger then signed Uh, a 300 million dollars mm-hmm. deal with uniqlo 
which was a Japanese uh, apparel uh, retailer. And they also wanted to kind of venture into the aspects of sports sponsorship as well as creating apparels. Uh, because they, I think from what I've seen with some of the website, they have a very casual apparel. And, uh, and so, uh, right. you know, they wanted to create, uh, that kind of branching, uh, where they create a smart casual apparel for tennis stuffs, right? So when you see tennis, I mean, when you see Wimbledon, you see all the smart casuals, you see all the whites, you see all the, uh, polo shirts and, you know, polo jerseys and so on. Which you don't see it in football and uh, mm-hmm. basketball and so on. So I think for the, so for Uniqlo it made sense because they wanted to move into that kind of uh, sports smart casuals and uh, sports casuals uh, uh, branching, and uh, so that's why I think you know they also saw a huge uh, value that Federer was bringing in his his personality as a as a sports star, his personality as a human being, you know. So they saw a lot of value that he was bringing in, not only during his playing career, but also after he would retire. So I think, you know, they signed that mm-hmm. kind of deal where they agreed to pay him $300 million for uh, for the next 10 years. And uh, so that kind of shows, like, uh, like there's a lot of opportunity if you, if you look at it. Because uh, I think for Federer, if he would have continued with Nike, he would have uh, been paid comparatively less when you look at the deal now it would have been comparatively very very less so i thought it was a really really amazing business move from federer how kind of really well he thought about creating that kind of wealth uh you know keeping in mind uh his image as well and uh and also a good story you know about nike is the rf logo i think uh I think all of us at one at one time, you know, we've, we've seen the RF logo in his cap. We've seen the RF logo in yeah. his headband and so on, right? So I think um, I think the story with that as well was that um, the RF was something that Roger did not own, but it was something that Nike owned. That that logo was owned by Nike, and uh, and when he moved to Uniqlo, uh, he did not take that RF. And Nike did not give that RF logo. To them, and so uh, Nike's I, initial strategy was to kind of continue selling the apparels under the RS logo, but they saw uh, a lot of downside in terms of you know misrepresenting the RF in Nike in terms of uh, you know someone like Roger is not no longer there with Nike, so you know someone buying the RF logo uh, should not associate the RS Roger being with Nike, and mm-hmm. so you know. So for that reason, I think uh, Nike also uh, agreed to sell the RF logo to Roger as well as Uniqlo. And yeah, and now that 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 logo that we all know and we all yeah. know Roger with, I think that is now I think continued with the Uniqlo uh, brand. So I think yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it, it gives a good example of how uh, you know uh, sports personnel's personal uh, finance management. Uh, you know, if if you have the correct uh, team, you know you yeah. can you can really generate good amount of wealth in terms mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. sports because I mean uh, I think more I think he earns more than one million just from his sponsors and and then comes the match fees and so on. But again, match fees uh, is all 
variable you know depending on how much he continues to play how much he uh, how much he plays and how much he does not but the sponsorship will always be there and i think that's really key uh, for him that even after his retirement he is going to be getting a good amount of money per year uh, from his uh, sponsors yeah that's right um, perfectly put and you know very crisply you explained it everything so i think these were the very two interesting case studies which we came up today and we would be coming up with more such uh, business side of things in the upcoming episodes as well uh, so let's talk about uh, the recent uh, you know sports updates which is which has been going around i think the biggest one is definitely we saw lewis hamilton in life after the final race day which happened last year uh he looks fresh he looks very determined to win and yeah he said that you know last year was not my last appearance i have not t- retired and i am very well you know gunning to go forward and take this year and the challenge to max verstappen as well he is i mean the champion he is he is going to be coming back really hard this season so i mean it it may well be uh, a complete domination i don't know like possibly he would be in that mood to just completely dominate the season the season what do you think yeah i mean see uh, what i feel is that this is going to be a literally a fresh chapter in f1 because the rules have changed the dynamics have changed uh, the engine has also do, is going to be different this season so no we'll more, have to see no more michael masi as well yeah right even he got i think he was expelled from you know not uh, being in the backdrop of the, uh, judging the race so far and uh, i think that it's a good initiative because they are actually going to have something like var in football so in the same way they want to have that uh, in f1 as well so i think uh, it will it will actually uh, uh, help to understand the incidents better and take a collective call rather than just an individual taking calls and then you know getting the the burn of it if it's if it's not right or whatever the, the situation is so i think that this would be a good progressive step forward to take decisions which would you know not hamper chances like the last season was completely crazy so having something like a var in place would definitely uh, help with the decision making throughout the race and uh, this as as i said right this is going to be a very different season because completely different uh, engines the cars the dimensions and everything are, are different this season so uh, first initial races and then we can decide how each car is performing a lot of people are actually claiming that uh, ferrari is going to make a big comeback mm-hmm. and uh, it they can change their fortunes around somehow it's 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 been you know reported in the news as well that it's going to favor the changes are going to favor them so a lot of expectations from signs and uh, uh ma lecrec as well so just very excited for the first uh, you know for the first race probably in the l- last week of march and see how it turns out and more excited for the uh, drive to survive season 4 which is mm-hmm. be coming out on 11th of march i mean it's definitely going to be a one day binge and not going to work and not going to do anything that day uh, it's just what's that entire drama and fold right in front of my eyes although i i, I might skip the last episode but <laughs> it's it i think it's just going to be spectacular to you know relive those great moments and you know and we all know how netflix 
you know amps up the drama so yeah i'm looking forward to that so yeah <laughs> and uh, like like based on the cars that you've seen for the current season what was your favorite design this is a very out of the uh, box answer but somehow i i like aston martin and uh, yeah yeah i mean mercedes also i mean obviously they are they they do look crisp and actually before recording this uh, podcast i was watching uh, the the video that po- they posted where lewis was taking a lap around the silverstone circuit mm-hmm. and he actually looked uh, you know like a, he was flying in that lap so the car also looked like uh, you know been great design so i think they have also gone back to their original silver color so yeah. silver silver arrows theme so uh, yeah so that definitely brings a cult look back and uh, uh, yeah i do know to say and uh, it still has uh, vettel so hopefully his fortunes also turn around and uh, we see them you know fighting at least in in contention for the uh, if not the podium at least for the fourth fifth or the sixth place so yeah i think you know we'll be coming up with our uh, predictions for the upcoming f1 season and you know as and when maybe you know maybe one or two races in we'll give our predictions what we feel based on what mm-hmm. we have seen in the first second race yeah definitely we should do that to move on to the next aspect and i think we need to talk about premier league and a refreshing start to the weekend to see man city lose mm-hmm. and drop points because that just makes you know uh, the battle to the finish much more exciting uh, with liverpool just i think being 6 points away and a game to play i think they have this they have this i i, I genuinely feel that what is your take yeah i think uh, you know good weekend for liverpool uh, very uh kind of uncertain match with norwich for the first 60 minutes i would say but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah liverpool being the being the team they are i think i was definitely not expecting them to lose against norwich at anfield although i was i was seeing that uh they they, they did not have that flow uh of of play uh, that they had in the past and uh, so i was kind of hoping that they kind of turn it around as soon as possible and they did but yeah, i think the story of the day was uh, was the city versus tottenham i think wonderful wonderful display from harry kane to be honest uh, single handedly i mean the, the entire spurs team defended really well as a team and they played as very well as a team but i felt that harry kane was very very key uh, mm-hmm. to them getting a victory there because he was dictating uh, some crucial passes from the middle he was coming back from his uh, number 9 attacking uh, uh, kind of position he was coming yeah. a little bit more deeper getting the ball and passing it to son and uh, kulusevski and and you know lucas moro and so on and so i thought you know he was really 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 key in that game and uh, in terms of the, the premier league uh, title i think uh, you know i'm still kind of skeptical because uh, because it is man city but uh, but yeah i think you know title in a way the, the title race is back on uh, truly back on because uh, if liverpool win their game in hand they are just 3 points behind man city and and then liverpool have still have to play man city at etihad they haven't won there uh, since 2018 so i'm not very optimistic 
in the in that sense that uh, you know we can beat man city because you know a team like man city when they when they get a defeat you know they know how to learn from the defeat right and yeah. uh, so i'm not expecting them to drop points at all because because they know that any slip from their end and liverpool are just behind so i don't I'm, i don't expect them to drop points but you never know i mean it's the premier league because teams are fighting for their positions you know they still have to play some bottom teams who are fighting relegation and so on so you know things could just drastically change and same for liverpool i mean liverpool could also it's not liverpool 13 games to go liverpool still have to play city united everton and uh, tottenham and mm. uh, and so you know it's you know very well it could happen that liverpool drop points and city regain their uh, Uh, yeah they regain their momentum as well as the distance at the top so so yeah it will be really interesting to see what happens. i hope it goes to the last day hopefully uh, you know for neutrals it will be an interesting watch but you know it, like i'll have to get my heart checked up if it goes to the last day so that you know i don't <laughs> because yeah. Uh, yeah there's a tendency of me getting very nervous when liverpool make it very close but yeah i think you know liverpool are still in four competitions uh, i i still even if whatever happens with the league i think we liverpool should still go for the carling cup and fa cup and the champions league as well so so yeah i think uh, but in the title race i think yeah i think it's still on uh, you know we will know more on how the teams perform but uh, 13 games to go so i think both city and liverpool would be looking at this and going and going completely you know full on uh, kind of to win each and every game so it will be good watch and i think april 9th uh, is when it will be city versus liverpool and i think the whole world will be watching that match to to see how these teams mm. perform yeah that's right i mean uh, it's definitely going to go down the wire and uh... I mean, that is what you want, right? In the end of the day, because if you see City pull away, any the slowly and steadily the the you know viewership will drop because it's all, almost decided that City is going to win, which has been happening since a lot of time. So yeah. the emergence of Liverpool actually made it much more interesting, and you know the viewership turned up uh, more since Liverpool and you know City started battling it out at the top. And initially, we we thought that I think we also discussed it in the podcast that Liverpool, you know. they might uh, not be in the contention anymore but i think they gained a lot of momentum in the last couple of uh, weeks and they are now right up there with city and uh, i mean the city players going out to party and everything you never know if they can, they can mm-hmm. just lose much more games than in uh, liverpool can you know uh, snuck right in there so definitely uh, create exciting premier league as always uh, never shy of uh, any less drama or entertainment and we are going to glue to our seats watching each and every game uh, and supporting either our club or being a neutral and supporting the better team uh, also ucl is on the way and uh, we already had the first week where uh, paris saint germain beat uh, real madrid 1-0 1-0 and guess who scored <laughs> so uh, i mean everything anything is possible and everything is happening right now in in, in the world of football and uh, the second week is still pending and hopefully we we get to see much more games much more uh, intense football which ucl is known for 
and uh, much more rivalries you know emerge out of out of it so all in all a good uh, you know overall uh, f- uh, football uh, still to be played this month and the coming month as well and we are looking forward to that i think you summed it up pretty well and uh, and yeah i think you know we'll in the next kind of episode we'll be kind of looking at uh, the the remaining matches that have occurred i think you know we have the carling cup final this weekend uh, mm. liverpool was chelsea that will be a good watch as well and you know we'll obviously be keeping tabs on the premier league results and you know discuss them in our future episodes yes that's right so yeah let's call it a day today and uh, thank you guys for tuning in this episode uh, i hope you like the two uh, business side of uh, uh, things which we brought in in this podcast uh, we will try to get it much Uh, such stories for you guys so please do tune in to our podcast and uh, have a great week thank you guys thank you once again this is me and anil signing off